This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. A very important move occurred in Turkey over the weekend. A referendum vote granted the president of the country the ability to assume potentially full control of the government should he win re-election in 2019. That would also get rid of the current parliamentary political system. But there is great concern as to what this will mean for one of the more important power brokers in the Middle East. The Turkish opposition party, European election observers and protesters all showing their concern in the wake of the news. Take a look at what occurred. We welcome back Wharton Associate Professor of Finance, Bulent Gultikan, who joins us from Turkey today. Bulent? Thank you, Dan. Uh, you're seeing the, this unfold firsthand. How much concern is there with the vote? There is quite a bit of a concern in the country, not with the vote. Even before that, there was a concern that the country was moving into some sort of a totalitarian regime under one-man rule. Erdogan has been, even though he's supposed to be an impartial president, but he's been acting almost like one man about the law, pretty much violating constitution ever since he was elected by popular vote in Turkey. And the reason for this election, it's, I don't think there was any really economical political reason, but it's mostly for probably self-preservation. Erdogan doesn't seem to trust the army, police, and even probably his own party, especially after the coup attempt last July. Remember, there is another sort of complication in Turkish politics that you don't see elsewhere. We had this unusual Gulen affair, a gentleman or at least a preacher who lives in Pennsylvania. And he managed to infiltrate just about in all institutions, particularly judiciary, government, police and army. And I think that created some sort of a political infight within the, or at least a fight within the political Islam. So Erdogan wants to control and he wants to be unaccountable. I think this referendum was about one man. And of course, he also, there is another uh, sort of a, a reason underneath. Erdogan is, has been at fight with the Republican regime of the yeah. modern Turkey since the foundation of 1923. He represents political Islam, and and he is even the product of the secular uh, sort of society, but he has always these instincts to go back, or at least to use Islam for his uh, political um, objectives. He's been an exceedingly successful campaigner, and he has an extremely well-oiled election machinery in the party. And this election, you know, I I served as um, chief advisor to two prime ministers in Turkey. I served as the governor of the central bank and uh, the secretary of housing and urban development. In 1991, I even managed the election campaign for the ruling party. Then I set up my own party in 2002 to run against actually Erdogan and the ruling parties at the time, I've never seen such an election in fraud in the history of the Turkey since 1946. Right. The campaign was extremely unfair. They used the entire state support, which is illegal. 
And there was successful from a political sense. He turned that not into a referendum about constitution or even a regime change, but he realized that uh, he might have difficulty turning that into more of a personality issue, whether they would choose him against the opposition, and he used the Islamic themes, he used the old themes all over again, that his daughter was not able to study in the States because her head was covered, he had to go to the United States and all that. So... But despite all that, there has been significant allegations for very significant fraud. Right. And it was pretty close, 51 to 49. And I haven't seen, but my guess is um, these allegations are serious and we'll see. So there is this very serious uh, legitimacy issue. So everyone is going to have a very difficult time to rule. Well, and... and And the other... You mentioned Bullent, uh, the uh, the concerns over the voting uh, in this in this referendum, and the fact that there were many votes that were accepted that weren't basically certified. They weren't stamped a- as being official votes. So the concern right there is with the closeness of the election, or I should say, of the referendum vote to begin with. Uh, if there were a number of vo- a number of votes that fell into that category, then it would basically potentially flip the result. But I mean, there are a lot of um, sort of polls and all that. I, I'm not really in a position, I don't have the data to be able to say what would have been the case. Right. But at least the legitimacy of this referendum is really in question. But there are other issues also. There are some silver lines lining in the whole thing. This time, the NGOs and the civil society was mobilized to a degree that I've never seen in Turkey. And and the results are also quite indicative. And the most important result of, of this referendum, Erdogan lost Istanbul. That was his hmm. power base since 1994, since the election, since he won the election as a mayor. And that's very significant. That I don't think I would call this not really a victory. He was expecting to gain about 60, 70 percent, but this it's not it to one. And the loss of the major cities is quite, quite a significant change. This is where people are mobilized. And the rural areas, they were not able to because they are very strong and party apparatus probably had a significant impact on the fraud. And the situation is not really very different from the United States. If you look at the red state versus yeah. blue states. Turkey is along the coastal lines, voted predominantly no. Rural areas voted yes. And the southeast Kurdish areas voted also no. So Erdogan managed to split the country into three. But this, I would call probably the beginning of his end. He's going to have a very difficult time to govern the country. There is a question of legitimacy. And most importantly, I live in a neighborhood on the Asian side. And I should say today, Istanbul is a beautiful gray day. I love Istanbul in yeah. gray days. And I see the old city from here. And every night since the beginning of the, actually, as soon as the election was over, once the, the um, information about the court started coming in, people have been hitting streets. This never happened in any election in Turkey. No one ever questions the legitimacy. 
So I don't know how long this is going to last, but there is certainly a very strong a sort of sense of uh, dissatisfaction. And as a matter of fact, almost people are feeling uh, quite cheated. Well, the, and, the, ex- and the result... Yeah, I was going to say the expectation of of Erdogan, uh, it it would seem to be, uh, as you said, he expected to get what, about two thirds uh, of the votes. And then he would have the perception that uh, come 2019, he wouldn't have that much of an issue uh, when the election cycle came around again. Now, with the fact that it's, you know, it's a 5149 and you mentioned Istanbul as well. Uh, is he, I mean, is he a, a leading candidate or do you not even see him as a potential leading candidate going into 2019? Oh, no, no. He's, he's, he's going to be leading candidate. Erdogan has no choice. He's like a man on a bicycle. He has no choice but a pedal. The moment he's out, he'll, he'll be in deep trouble. Right. Very serious allegations of corruption about him and his family. And I think many people argue that this is all about is to uh, save himself and his family, which is a very sad thing to say about Turkey these days. But, no, he will be probably in the run. And it's very difficult to make predictions in political scenes everywhere. But I'm not surprised if they call an early election soon. What's the reaction uh, so far in the early uh, returns from Europe? Because uh, Turkey has been trying to push, uh, especially recently, uh, to be able to join the European Union. I would think something like this probably would not sit well with the EU. Well, there are two views, Dan. One is sort of a naive view and say that, well, they might look at Turkey with concern. But I'm sure that a lot of countries, France, Austria, and others, having a relief that this is the Turkey they want to see. And this would be the end of Turkey's uh, adventure with the European Union. And, but they may worry about what might happen and how to deal with Erdogan eventually. But Turkey's um, sort of accession to Europe has never been guaranteed. As a matter of fact, Europeans have been pretty um, disingenuous about that. And if they had really helped Turkey like European Union helped the Eastern European countries after the fall of the um, Berlin Wall, Turkey would have been a very different situation. And I would call that Turkey pay a very high price during the Cold War and then pretty much left out Afterwards, we are joined by so, uh, we are joined by Bulent Gultikan, who is a associate professor of finance here at the Wharton School. He joins us from uh, Turkey. Eight four four Wharton is the number if you'd like to join in. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter at BizRadio one eleven or my Twitter account, which is at Damloney twenty one. So, if he does win election in twenty nineteen, that sets him up to be uh, president of Turkey for how long of a period of time? I think it's going to be another two terms. So, it'll be at two ten more years. So, to almost. 2029. Do you could potentially be president? Do you think we will see more potential uprisings like uh, was attempted this summer in Turkey? Um, that was a coup, and one that's a different one. But we also see about 
few years ago in Pakistan, there was civil protest, disobedience by the um, NGOs and population in general. It all started with a protest to protect some um, green area in the center of the city. Right. And the problem that that's probably that sort of, and I think this current uh, disobedience or protest right now are pretty much the influence by that. Because it has been some a growing sort of a civil society in the country, which is a very, very promising. Whether Turkey would have another coup, I doubt it, because coup came from a group of Gul- and the supporters of Gulen, it seems like. And we, there are a lot of unanswered questions about that affair. But I doubt army, the traditional Turkish army, if it wasn't infiltrated by Gulen, would have ever attempted a coup. So I do not expect that. But uh, we shall see. Well, in terms of how Erdogan is going to handle. What do you expect then to see from the people of Turkey over over the next several months? Uh, obviously, there is uh, some concern, as we just mentioned, about the results of this uh, referendum vote. Uh, certainly, uh, there are a lot of people that are not in favor of uh, President Erdogan right now. What do you expect to see from the people of Turkey in the next few months? I mean, number one, what's happening <clears throat> There has been a pretty repressive environment in Turkey, in academia and elsewhere, and the media is pretty much non-existent, um, pretty much owned by the government or the people supports of the government. Right. And uh, it remains to be seen whether young people are willing to leave the country or they decide to stand up and resist, resist in the sense that to fight or, or just work for the future of the country. There is some anecdotal evidence that a lot of youngsters want to leave, academics want to leave the country, so they're always worried about, is Turkey going to be like Iran after the Khomeini? Right. My guess is, I don't think it's going to happen. There are two things. Number one, I don't think Europe is any better place nowadays for Muslims. And this is a predominantly Muslim country. So therefore, uh, my guess is people are going to resist. And there will be, I see, a far more helping the long run development that people are not going to take freedom, secularism, and democracy for granted. They just have to fight for it. And it's not going to be easy because that the one... And these people, really, the political Islam has demonstrated that they have no ethics whatsoever. So anything could be expected. Yeah. After what I've seen during this election, what I've seen, what they've done in the bureaucracy and elsewhere. So uh, people are expecting the worst, but I think they brace for it. Nothing will surprise them now. There, one. there was a call for this referendum vote to be canceled by the opposition. Uh, it doesn't seem like the chances of that happening are very high, correct? There might be some technically, technical issues legally that I don't know. But my mm-hmm. guess is this government is not going to boot those their way over. They're going to pay any attention to legalities. 
We're joined by Bulent Gultikan, uh, Wharton Associate Professor of Finance, who joins us from Turkey. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. What is the status uh, of the Turkish economy right now uh, under President Erdogan? Right now, the economy has done reasonably well, but we see some signs of fatigue because the growth rate is going to come down. Erdogan spent most of his time politicking as opposed to building the country for the next jump to get out of the middle-income trap. And, of course, they made a their success has been pretty much maintaining a decent and fiscal discipline. And this is for the first time pretty much broken. And there was a massive uh, stimulus in the economy, which is not going to be sustainable. So I expect because of the lack of investment over the last 10, 15 years in the country, growth is going to come down. And the population is, young population is going to have very difficult time for unemployment. So I don't see the same high growth rate that we observed in the previous 10 years. Right. So uh, they're going to spend, in other words, they really divest, that sort of diverted their attention from economics to other issues, to survival issues. So as a result, uh, I don't expect a very sort of bright days uh, in the near future. Also joining us right now for a few minutes, uh, Stephen Cook, who is a senior fellow for Middle East and Africa Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations. Stephen, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. What was your reaction to how this referendum played out? Well, it was not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and there are obviously allegations of electoral fraud. And all that being said, however, uh, President Erdogan has uh, already um, made it clear that there's going to be no way that uh, the outcome will be reversed. And Turkey's uh, authoritarianism will deepen as he takes up uh, more and more power scheduled to begin uh, with the general elections of 2019. So the expectation then is is that he is uh, how much close to a lock as the, uh, as the person that will continue as president in 2019 at this point? I think it's uh, abundantly clear that he is going to be uh, the AKP's candidate. And just as they have dominated the media landscape uh, and other areas of the country in order to get the outcomes that they wanted in both this referendum, as well as I should say the general elections of 2015, uh, one will expect that the, the, the party and, and President Erdogan will pull out all the stops to ensure that he is once again reelected, and that uh, he will stay in power until 2029 and perhaps even beyond. Uh, the, the, the accepting of the ballots that weren't certified is obviously the kind of the big point of contention in this whole process, Stephen. And, and uh, you know, here in the U.S., obviously, almost every time we have some sort of election, there, has, there is a concern of some level of election tampering. Uh, so I guess to a degree, we shouldn't be surprised that there is some sort of level of this occurring in this uh, referendum vote. Well, we shouldn't be, although in 2010, the AKP-dominated parliament passed a law that would have made it more difficult for this kind of electoral tampering and ensuring that 
uh, unsealed, unauthenticated, if that's a word, ballots were not counted. Uh, this time, they used their influence with the Supreme Election Board uh, to ensure that those ballots, in fact, are counted. So um, they ran counter to the law, their own law, uh, in order to secure this electoral outcome for uh, for President Erdogan. I want to get your opinion on something I asked to uh, Bulent a, a few minutes ago, uh, the reaction of how this plays out in Europe uh, and the impact that this has uh, in that region since uh, Turkey has been trying to see if it can get, uh, uh, get into the EU for quite some time now. Well, you're quite right. Turkey's had a long-term goal of joining the European Union, but that has been on life support at best for the last 10 years or so. Uh, the Europeans haven't wanted to walk away because they didn't want to be accused of double standards and being Islamophobes, and the Turks haven't walked away because they didn't want to let the Europeans off the hook. I can't imagine that as a result of this referendum, which uh, gives President Erdogan sweeping powers uh, undermines checks and balances in the system such as they were, uh, will enhance Turkey's candidacy for EU membership. And, of course, President Erdogan has already announced that there may be a referendum on the continuation of Turkey's candidacy. So um, Turkey is isolated from its European partners in part because of uh, crises that the Justice and Development Party manufactured in the run-up mm-hmm. to uh, this election, stirring up trouble uh, among Turkish populations in, in Holland and in Germany. Um, and then there's this question of uh, a, a, a EU membership and whether Turkey will walk away. Bulent, what is your greatest concern now for Turkey going forward, uh, assuming that uh, President Erdogan wins re-election in 2019 and, and this vast change of, of how the government will really be working? You know, it, as you said, it's, it's two terms, 10 years uh, so you're talking about basically having this gentleman in, in power till 2029, a dozen years at this point. That's That gives him a lot of opportunity to continue to make change and just increase his control in that country. I mean, Erdogan was greeted very warmly when he won the election in the United States and Europe. And I haven't changed my mind since 2002. Erdogan is more of a counter-revolutionary. And I think he has been, he's known for that, and he never actually hid that. So what I worry is the change of the regime. And this country has been the only experiment in the Muslim world as a secular society. And that may be lost if they continue with this fashion. That, I don't want to say it's going to be lost. But that's the highest, the worst risk, or the, uh, the riskiest thing. That's the most dangerous thing that might happen. Will it happen? We shall see. I think people are more worried about that sort of a change and more mobilized this time than any other election because they see the dangers of the sort of a complete reversal of the regime. And that's what I see as the most uh, um, problematic or more the most profound uh, change. The rest, the economy and all that, those things, we have crises, things back and forth, will eventually come back to some sort of an equilibrium. But a fundamental shift in the orientation of this country is quite crucial, not only for Turkey, but actually for the Muslim world and the least, and Europe for that matter. 
Steve, do you make anything, playing off of something that Bulent mentioned, do you make anything of President Trump calling President Erdogan to congratulate him in the wake of this referendum vote? Well, it, it, it was certainly odd, given the fact that the OSCE observers uh, basically called the referendum unfair. Uh, and it puts the United States in some strange company uh, with, for example, the Palestinian terrorist organization Hamas or the Palestinian Authority, the government of Djibouti in Turkmenistan. Those are the people who have called President Erdogan to congratulate him. But my sense is that as the United States uh, accelerates its operations against the Islamic State in Syria, uh, in cooperation with Syrian Kurdish groups that the Turks regard as terrorists, President Trump's call was an effort to mitigate the tension between the United States and Turkey as a result of that. Um, it's just the fact of life that Turkey is strategically important to the United States and that Ankara sits literally at the geographic center of some of the United States' most pressing foreign policy problems, that um, American presidents have decided to overlook some of the excesses of the Turkish government uh, in order to secure their cooperation for a variety of other for a variety of other priorities. Great to have you both with us. Thank you, Bulent. Uh, appreciate your time, Steve. Thank you as well. My pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Bulinko Tikhan of the Wharton School, Stephen Cook from the Council on Foreign Relations. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.